Hey there, it's Andrew Limbaugh, and Pierre's book of the day was a new effort this year to bring more stories to more ears, with a little something for every reader. Mysteries, memoirs, thrillers, tell-alls, biographies, poetry, all handpicked by true book lovers here at NPR. If you want to engage with the ideas and issues of the day, or find an escape from them, whatever you need, we hope you found it here with us. As this year winds down, we have a favor to ask. This podcast and all of the news and stories you rely on from NPR exists because listeners like you support NPR member stations across the country. We're looking ahead to next year, and we want to keep bringing you great reads and great conversations in 2022. We'd be so grateful if you could support us. It's super simple, and it doesn't take too long, we promise. Just go to donate.npr.org to support a station near you. Thanks so much for listening and reading with us. Hey, it's NPR's Book of the Day. I'm Andrew Limbong. You ever have those relationships in your life with friends that are so long-lasting, so bone deep that you love them even if you don't particularly like them that's the sense i get listening to this interview with a rapper raekwon and hearing him talk about rizza there's love there even if it's hidden beneath a bit of ego raekwon is of course from wu-tang clan and he's out with a new memoir titled from staircase to stage it goes into his childhood growing up in staten island to him becoming a part of one of the most important hip-hop groups of all time And as you'll hear him tell NPR Steve Inskeep, very relatably, I might add, a lot of that comes from hating high school. This message comes from NPR sponsor Noom. Noom understands that not everyone is starting from the same place and takes that into account. With their first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, you can find a hundred healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. This message comes from NPR sponsor Progressive, and it's Name Your Price Tool. Say how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show coverage options within your budget. Visit Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. The rapper Raekwon is over 50 now. He's famous as part of the Wu-Tang Clan, and we reached him at a home that he owns in Dallas, Texas. It's nice out here. You know, it's private, pretty much a serenity vibe that I get when I'm out here, though. So I decided to just buy some land out here, you know? Do you sometimes think about how far you've come from Park Hill, Staten Island? Oh, listen, every day, man. He's had occasion lately to think about how he came so far from a troubled neighborhood in New York City. Because where we came from, it was like a cracked window. You know, like, you would never think a body could slide through that window at that height. And we were able to do it, so I constantly think about it. I grew up on the crime side, the New York Times side. Staying alive was no job at second hands. Moms bounced on old men, so then we moved to Shallon Land. Raekwon writes about his youth in a new memoir. The first line of the first chapter reads, I met my father once. The book is called From Staircase to Stage. The staircase refers to a public housing project where he lived with his mom. Paul Kill was a pretty nice environment. The buildings were very clean, and they had doormen, intercoms in order to get in a building. He was known as Corey Woods then, a boy who loved stickball and other sports. But just as he reached his teenage years, a crack epidemic was spreading. Things just started going downhill in the community, like no more security guards, no more doormen. People were getting shot. You know, dope fiends was getting strung out. So all these things started to just happen, like, overnight. The neighborhood was just going down. 
When you hear the way Raekwon grew up, it becomes easy to understand why he later rapped about a world driven by desperate greed. As the neighborhood declined, he made it to high school, but life got no easier. You have a line in here that I think a lot of people are going to relate to in different ways, and I'm just going to say it. Mm -hmm. I hated everything about high school except lunch. (laughs) I read that, and my first question was, wow, the lunch was good? What was for lunch? (laughs) I mean, you know, when I say I hated school, it's just that I hated going to the school that we were going to because our school was in an all-predominantly white neighborhood. Coming up in a neighborhood where it's majority black people, and then next thing you know, you got to go to a school that's 30 minutes out, that's all white people's school. It wasn't that I was racist, it's just that we didn't feel comfortable there. Kids calling you names, the N-word, we calling them white boys. You know, if you get into a fight with a white kid back then, it'd, you know, it's liable to be a riot. You come out to school, there's 500 white boys there cursing you out, calling you names. That made it not fun to go to school. You got in a fight with a white kid. Yeah, many fights. He stopped attending school. Um, hanging out at a friend's house, uh-huh. watching karate flicks, movies, you know, looking at all these rooting for the bad guy movies. Clips from karate flicks later became part of Wu-Tang Clan music. A game of chess is like a sword fight. But at the time, cutting class to see them meant trouble. You know, and realizing that, yo, I didn't go to school today. That's one day. So I'm like, all right, one day ain't bad. One day go to five days. Ah, it ain't that bad. It's, it's bad, but it ain't that bad. And to the next day, you know, you realize you ain't been to school in 97 days, you know? <laughs> then it's like, oh, snap. But at the same token, I'm starting to have this thug mentality where I don't care anymore. So I got with a sick ass click and went all out. I started to sell weed try to make a couple of dollars to buy myself some clothes, put a little bit of food in the house. So you're starting to get some kind of ambition, but you're not sure where to go or what to do with it. You don't see a path. And then this guy, the RZA, comes into your life who has an idea how he wants to go. How did you get together with him? Well, me and RZA, you know, we went to school together and um, he lived in different parts of Staten Island. He lived in a house. I lived in a projects. He was a little more prosperous. And it wasn't the fact that RZA had a lot of brand new stuff. He just had stuff. He had turntables in his house. Certain little things that I didn't have at that time. So I always wanted to be around guys that motivated me. And RZA was one of those guys, you know? RZA had plans to make money. He took his friend to sell newspapers to drivers on the Verrazano Narrows Bridge. He loved to beatbox. He loved wordplay. And he began gathering his friends into a group that became the Wu-Tang Clan. He had a passion. He would come around and, yo, check out this rhyme. I'm like, yo, you using so many big words. And I'm just watching him like, yo, this is very inspiring, you know? So it really made not only myself, but other guys in the neighborhood want to do it even more. But he was the guy at the top, and it gave us hope for something else. Why do you think that that relationship with him got harder later? When the success came, he felt responsible. He felt he did it. But we always would tell him, even though you initiated the conversation, it took us to do the work as well. It's like I said, yo, you made the beat. We did the rhymes. 
You can't have one without the other. Once that started to get a little blurry and we didn't respect that anymore, that's when I knew we was at a level of success where egos is just as big as skyscrapers right now with all of us. I want to try to figure out what your relationship is now because you're a little estranged, but you still work together. Is that right? Yeah. I mean, you know, like I said, I love him. You know what I mean? I love him for his beliefs and and me and the group and we share a brotherhood that will never ever die based on the fact of what we've been through, you know, and I tell people all the time, I was the one that was hanging out with RZA first. I was the guy that was the fly on the wall that was like, yo, <laughs> this guy is on to something. We need to stick close to this kid because he got a vision. And back then we loved hip hop. We loved it, but we wasn't in love with it. He was in love with it. He knew that he had something. And I was able to see that from the outside in and open up conversations for things to be what they are today. The memoir from Raekwon is called From Staircase to Stage. Thanks so much. You got it. Thanks for listening. And remember, visit donate.npr.org to support your local NPR station today. And thanks. This message is brought to you by NPR sponsor, Lisa, in collaboration with West Elm. Discover the new natural hybrid mattress, expertly crafted from natural latex and certified safe foams, designed with your health and the planet in mind. Visit leesa.com to learn more. This message comes from NPR sponsor, Capella University. With Capella's FlexPath Learning Format, you can earn your degree online at your own pace and get support from people who care about your success. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. I'm Jesse Thorne. Why did Cola Scola write a bonkers, extremely fictionalized play about Mary Todd Lincoln? Well, you know, it was 2020 and we were all so isolated. I I just started doing research. But the truth is, no, I just thought of it. We'll talk about that and more on Bullseye from MaximumFun.org and NPR.